When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From the center of the hockey universe, this is the Off the Post podcast. Here with Matt Malarkey, Larkin, Associate Senior Writer for the Hockey News, and Michael Trakos, my colleague at Post Media. He is the National Hockey Writer for us. Guys, All-Star Weekend is approaching. It is in a few days. Today is, if my memory serves correct, Thursday. Um, and there's a pirate festival down in Tampa that you guys will both be attending. <laughs> I, I, I unfortunately am not going, but um, Kid Rock will also be there. So another Boo! <laughs> another notable uh, non-hockey thing. Um, let's talk about the, the All-Star Game first, or the weekend, and then we'll talk about some other topics down the line. First of all, Matt, what's up? How's it going, John? Good to see you, buddy. Good to see you, too. And nice uh, seeing Matt Larkin, who we call Darkin on the road, who <laughs> should be a fun weekend in Tampa Bay. Hopefully we don't get as much trouble as we did in Nashville a couple years ago. Yeah, Nash Vegas as they call it. But, but yeah, hopefully Darkin doesn't come out. He, he's not that much fun. It's the alter ego. <laughs> but then again, if there are pirate ships involved, I mean, it's it sounds like it's going to be incredible from what I hear. Yeah, I remember being at the ACC for Morning Skate like a month ago, and someone brought up that there was a pirate festival during the All-Star <laughs> Game, and then everyone seemed to already know, like you guys were plugged in on the scene there. What, what is it actually? What, what, do you guys know? It's, it's Gasparilla Fest, so I know there's just going to be a parade, and I think there's also like some pirate boat sort of show. <laughs> I don't know. Kind I think like, it's an excuse to drink. Like Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean at, at Disney World back in the day, maybe? Like a, maybe we're going to see some choreographed pirate fighting or something. Okay. I'm not sure what to expect. I'm kind of going in blind on purpose because it just sounds so much fun. I like that. I like that plan of attack. With the All-Star weekend itself, what's going on on the ice, I'm always hoping that the NHL will figure out a way to kind of inject this weekend with something super fun um, because the MLB has the, the home run derby that's appointment viewing uh, you know the Pro Bowl no one really cares about so whatever but then the NBA has the slam dunk contest so you think of the four the four pro sports that, that are big in the states big in Canada and the NHL along with the NFL which is kind of a silly the Pro Bowl is kind of silly any, anyways the NHL is the one that's sort of it's not bad there's nothing wrong with it but there's no marquee event. Would you guys agree? And, and do you think, you know, with them uh, adding two more events, if, if they maybe will find their marquee event in one of those skill competitions? 
I mean, I don't want to declare the current format broke just yet because it's it's pretty new. It's only two years old, right? So I do think it was an improvement when they switched to the three-on-three -three and having teams by division. A couple years ago, it was really exciting to see John Scott out there. Um, and I agree, there's not a marquee event, but there are a few, let's say, B-plus caliber events. I mean, everyone wants to see who wins the hardest shot. And I think right now, the marquee event is the fastest skater because Connor McDavid just flies out there. I remember watching him last year in L.A., thinking he was going to... I felt like his parents saying, slow down! I thought he was going to get hurt because he was going so fast. And he doesn't technically have the record because Dylan Larkin, Larkin shout out, uh, the year before, <laughs> broke the record, but he had a head start. So there's an, a bit of excitement factor there to see if McDavid will actually officially break the record this year. Uh, and I know he, he sort of unofficially broke Mike Gartner's record for the fastest lap, uh, I think, during an Oilers skills competition last year. So it's not the same, I agree. It doesn't have the cachet of the dunk contest. But it's something that I think people can look forward to. Yeah, for me, uh, personally, I like the shoot, uh, the accuracy shooting. Um, that's the one I kind of pay attention to because, you know, it, it's the purest thing where you're thinking, okay, that translates into an actual goal. And I would like them to, if I'm going to make a change, like take that a little further, have sort of moving targets. I don't know if you put them on like golf carts or something. And um, just because you see like the, whatever stick manufacturers always do these videos where... Um, they're shooting for pop cans or whatever. They're shooting for a stack of pucks or um, sort of like playing horse. I, I would like to see them kind of, wow, like hockey players are just ridiculously skilled. And when you give them a little bit of time with the puck, they can actually do that. And I kind of get the feeling like the passing uh, competitions are going in that way. But I'd like the shooting ones. Let's, let's go beyond the four targets in the five hole and just kind of like, let's actually have the moving targets. Yeah, they're adding the five hole to the accuracy shooting this year. So... I guess a minor adjustment to that event. And then there's two new events. One involves the goalies taking center stage, a safe streak. So it's basically the breakaway challenge, but the focus is on the goalies and then making saves. And I do like the one part about uh, the rules where if they're, if, if all the skaters have been used by, by the, uh, the attacking team um, and, and the goalie keeps stopping them, it just goes on forever and ever and ever. I, I, I hope that that gathers some steam and, and I don't know, Andre Vesilevsky or whoever uh, goes on this like 25 save streak. I think that would that would really capture a lot of attention. Um, so there's that one, and then the second um, new event is is the passing challenge, which uh, involves some target passing, uh, give and goes, those mini nets, which which people seem to like. Um, so those two, I think, kind of what Matt said. There's there's some B events, there's some B plus events. Maybe the fastest skater is their A event, but I still, I don't know if I'm totally hooked on it. I, I like the idea of the save streak because I think it's going to age well. Um, you know, a few years from now, there will, there will be a record that has a bit of excitement around it. Can mm. someone break, you know, whoever sets the record, Vasilevsky's record of 14 saves in a row. Kind of like the home run derby record where we're seeing, you know, Canadian Yeah, that's a good point. Josh Hamilton. Um, it's too bad that Jonathan Quick's not going to be in it because to me he's the kind of guy like the most athletic goalie in the right, NHL right. and a battler. He's a yeah, battler, yeah. right? He's the kind of guy who cares about that kind of thing. So it would have been fun to see him do it, but he's out. And isn't it kind of cool? Like when you look at the home run derby, the problem or the reason why it's successful is you don't have real pitchers, right? So you're just kind of lobbing it in, and guys are just cranking it. Same thing with the dunk competition. You don't actually have a defender there, and that was always the problem with the breakaway challenge: is that you'd have a Stamkos who could do unreal things on a breakaway, but He's also going up against a quick or uh, a carry price. So I like how they've kind of like, if you can't beat the goalies, all right, let's just showcase them. And yeah, for sure. Maybe we're going to get some like cool double stacked uh, pad saves. We're going to get guys flashing the le leather and kind of like 
overdoing it uh, that way. And it, you might end up having the, the goalies become the stars of the competition. And it, no one really kind of thought that way. Like, it's always like, all right, goal scoring, goal scoring. But look at the NHL, and unfortunately, the goalies are sort of, you don't have a good team without a good goalie, and you probably don't have a good skills competition without some goalies making some really good saves. And maybe that's kind of the, the kind of backwards way that they're thinking of it. That's a good point, and I wonder too. It makes me think when you, you hit on something with the home run derby and sort of that you know it's it's your your players' dads or, or pitching coaches or, right. or swing coaches or, or they always bring in the guy. Yeah, yeah, they bring in the guy. But imagine if like the goalies can bring in a guy and they bring in like jobber shooters or Aaron Ekblad brings in his brother. Yeah, like, the guy that he always used to shoot at. Like Darian Ekblad comes in, he's like he hasn't played goal in twenty years. <laughs> I'd love to see that. Austin Matthews brings in Joe Bowen. <laughs> Uh, me and Mike's colleague, Craig Robertson, a photographer here uh, with the Toronto Sun, had a, an idea that would never be used, but an idea nonetheless, <laughs> that if you combine the hardest shot, the accuracy, and I think the fastest skater, that it might be uh, an interesting event. And I don't know if you would have to, <laughs> if, it was, if it would be like target practice where you have to have like a dummy running around the ice. And then, yeah, and then you're trying to hit them, and then you also factor in how fast the puck is that's hitting them, and if there's a skating, you know, drill involved in that. I don't know. It, it's not going to work. Obviously. No, it's it's not going to work. But I, I wonder if 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 down the road they decide to to blend two of the staple events together. Um, like I know they did that four line challenge. I was actually watching it on YouTube this morning, um, which I thought was it, it's like kind of cool but it's just so slow like one guy takes a shot at at the one blue line you know the crowd goes wild one guy takes a shot at at the red line it happens again like there's like so much stopping and it, you know then the goalie tries to score I found that event had no momentum and I mean unless Mike Smith scores like he did last year it's it's almost like that that goalie shot is, is almost pointless right and it can get embarrassing like the red line shot it's a hard angle so sometimes you get the yeah. guy who can't score on it and then he and he takes 10 shots in a row and the crowd starts to groan. And if there are layman-type fans in the, in the crowd, they're like, well, aren't these guys supposed to be all-stars? And it was a Nick Foligno or someone a couple years ago that just could not score yeah. on that bad angle shot to save his life. And that's the problem. That's why the dunk competition tends to fail sometimes. You're like, guy's trying the same dunk like five times. And you're like, I don't even care if he gets it on the sixth time. Like, it's garbage. Like, just move on. Like, end right. and, and you're going to get that. Like, the only problem, and that's the problem with the NHL skills competition is that Hockey is still a difficult sport, and making those passes into those tiny little nets is still hard. Like I know these guys are ridiculous, and but it's very much like a skateboarding competition where it's like, yeah, I could do the kickflip yesterday, man. I did it. Yeah, exactly. Now everyone's watching. I can't do it, right? Yeah, I don't envy these guys because obviously what they're doing is very difficult. But think of that this weekend for them. It's it's you know they're if they have kids, they're usually on the ice. They're distracted by their kids. They're not warmed they're up. Over, John. They might be hungover as <laughs> what well. What are you talking about? <laughs> they're they're not warmed up, and then they're expected to do these highly skilled things like that mini net. I don't think it translates super well to TV, but like I couldn't do that for it's the life my of me. Like as a hockey nerd, the mini passing, like passing into the mini nets, I'm, I I love it. Like I just I want a mini net. But if you're a casual <laughs> fan, you're going like, how could you not get that in? Are you kidding me? You know what I mean? So. I know that this event is all about the casual fan and reeling in maybe someone who's on the fence or someone who's just not completely engaged. And uh, I don't know if they've found the real like sweet spot or, re- or actual you know, perfect scenario or equation or algorithm, whatever you want to call it. But I wonder if these two events 
might inch them closer to finding that. Because, like, you think of the Home Run Derby. That's been around for forever. I don't know if they, they haven't really altered it. Maybe a little bit here and there. They maybe made tweaks. The slam dunk contest, it has its memorable moments. Like, when is when are these memorable moments going to come with the NHL All-Star Game and, and their skills competition? Now, I do think there was sort of a golden age of the skills competition when totally. there were guys who were dominant. So, Al McKinnis won the shot. shot yeah. Mike Gardner won fastest skater. Ray Bork won accuracy. Yeah. And that was kind of fun, sort of wondering who can dethrone the master. And I, I feel like the winner is different every year for some of these events now. So, it's hard to... Uh, I mean, I guess, other than Zidane Char or Shea Weber... Depending on which guy was in the All-Star game, he always wins the hardest shot. I think they should just bring back wooden sticks, and then we'll really get to see who has the hardest shot. Mm-hmm. But, okay, let, let's let's move on to another topic. And this one's uh, kind of random, but I think it ties into the All-Star game because you guys are going down there and going to be talking to a lot of players, coaches, GMs, whoever. And it's more of a relaxed atmosphere. So here's this hypo- hypothetical scenario I'm going to give you guys. Um, you're in a bar... There's no, you have no recorder. There's no intention of being a reporter in any in any way. Um, you know, there's two beers on the table. Who is your is your dream guest there from the hockey world? It could be a, it could be a coach. It could be a player. It could be a GM. Someone else in a front office, an agent, whoever. Like, who would you like to sit down with and just pick their brain over a beer? I mean, my pick's gonna sound boring at first, but I want to defend it. Okay, I'm gonna say Sidney Crosby. And the reason why is I don't know if there's a more a- a guarded athlete in the sport. Uh, and even That's if you fair. talk to other players, anyone that I've spoken to around Sid throughout his career, um, they say he's the one guy who really is the hockey robot, who really does do nothing but hockey off the ice. So it's different. I mean, you could say, oh, I'd love to go out with P.K. Subban, but we know who P.K. is. Tyler Sagan. We know you don't who even Tyler have Sagan. to go off the record. Yeah, they're open books. <laughs> even when they're on the record, they may as well be off the record because they're such open books. Whereas Sid... I mean, I feel like the beers you have with him might be the first two beers he's ever had. So that would be pretty interesting. Um, and I feel like he's someone we know very little about other than his hockey life. So that would be the reason for me to go with Crosby. What would your, like, what are you trying to accomplish? Would you just want to know, like, what does he do in the summers? You know, does he actually take a break from hockey? Like, are those the sort of things you would, you would try to pick out of him? Yeah, I'd want to say, how's it going, man? Are you okay? Like, what you watching on Netflix? <laughs> just... I want to hear Crosby say something human. And that's not an insult to Crosby. It's just he's a very measured, controlled person. Um, and I think one of the nicest guys in the game. But I just think he keeps that personal life so guarded. I'd be curious to get to know him. Yeah, from, from a media perspective, he's a very interesting uh, subject. Because from, from my accounts and from what I hear from other reporters, is he gives you the time of day. He'll sit in his locker and he'll talk, he'll talk 10 to 15 minutes, whatever, until the PR person comes in. Like, he's very accommodating, but does he ever say anything overly interesting? No. Um, and But do you do, do you blame him? No, because what's the point of, of you know, sticking his nose in places that are going to get him in trouble? Um, I guess the only real controversy that he's had is, is the White House incident earlier this this year. And, and, you know, who's talking about that now? Like, he, he has so much equity built up between mm-hmm. fans and media that he could really do no wrong unless there's some sort of scandal. But, yeah, if you can get him, you know, over a beer and you actually ask him about real-life things, I think that that there's some real potential there. Like, he, there's such, like, a legend around him as, as, as the not only most talented but most um, dedicated player, really, of this generation, right? For sure. Yeah, for me, I don't know, maybe not as interesting as Sidney Crosby, but a similar vein is Carey Price, who... 
like Crosby, doesn't say a whole lot on the record. Uh, no one's really kind of tapped into who this guy is. But I'm also just curious, like, where, where are the bodies buried in Montreal? Like, he, he'd be able to tell you, like, exactly why P.K. Subban was traded, what he was like as a teammate, like, really mm-hmm. like as a teammate, why certain guys didn't like him, what is Montreal doing back there? Like, I, I'd love to hear his thoughts on how this team has gone from what would be a perennial cup favorite in terms of all the Canadian teams uh, to just a complete laughing stock. And um, when you look at the best goalies of our generation, um, Carey Price is probably at the top of that list or very close in the top three, top five. Um, and it's just, yeah, like like I said, like we don't know that much about him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Henrik Lundqvist goes on late night with like Conan O'Brien or Seth Myers or whoever. Um, Carey Price is such a closed book, so it would be kind of fascinating. He also has an interesting backstory that I would like to learn more about. Like, he lived in such a rural mm-hmm. part of BC that he had to fly to hockey when he was younger. Like, that's... <laughs> that's crazy. I know that people have written about that and he's talked about it, but even maybe some some not-so-favorable stories like, yeah, it sucked. You know what I mean? Like, hearing sort of the war stories of, of trying to make it when you're from Anaheim Lake, BC. Yeah, sure. and, and just being... You're, you're the starting goaltender of the Montreal Canadiens, like... Jeez, man, I don't think there's a more high-pressure situation in the NHL. He's got to have some good stories of just walking around town, like, maybe, you know, dressed up differently, trying to hide his identity, you know what I mean? Like, it sounds sure. it sounds so stupid, but in Montreal, you're the goaltender, and people know his face. Like, this isn't a guy who, who has come out of nowhere. Like, he is he's one of the best goaltenders in the world, arguably the best. And if you're walking around Montreal, like, people are saying stuff to you. They might be saying it in French. I don't know how good Carey Price's French is, but I'm sure he could make out what they're trying to say. And I think, I think the theory really does apply to anyone who plays in a pressure cooker market like Montreal or Toronto. I think anyone from any, either of those teams would be really interesting to talk to. Even Jose Tedor, who, you know, won the heart, won the Vezina, mm-hmm. and got kind of run out of town, and a lot of rumors about his partying, wild nightlife. I'd love to pick that brain and see what he has to say about what really happened. What's he doing these days? He's a broadcaster in uh, Montreal. Oh, yeah. I've, I've been on the road a couple times with him, and yeah, he's he's an interesting guy. He seems like he's enjoying the heck out of life right now. So, Him and DiPietro, just the same uh, catching hand, and just, I don't know, there's something about those two guys where they peaked at one point. Theodore, obviously, higher than than, um, than DiPietro, but I always think of them in the same light. My, my entry is John Cooper, the coach Ooh, of the Lightning. My main thinking with him is that he just seems like a good hang. Like, I would like to be his friend, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, I have hung out with him. He's a great guy. Yeah, <laughs> so, like, he just checks off all the boxes. Like, coaches just fascinate me in general. And he had a great path to to coaching. He was a, he was a, a public defender for, like, a decade, you know, sort of. Um, you know, he was kind of straddling the line of being a lawyer, being a coach, and then one day he just said, "I need to focus on coaching." So he leaves this high-paying job, um, and he just—he's a really good quote. Um, he seems insightful, but also has a good sense of humor. So he's one guy where I feel like uh, you know, you sit down with him for one beer, and it turns into that, you know, ten. That is a doable one. Like Matt, okay, this weekend let's go drink with John Cooper. And, and, and it's not even like that outrageous of an idea. I yeah, think, I think we can make it happen. For sure, and he, he kind of he has a quality in him that reminds me of myself, and that he's uh, wow. He's known as an oversharer, which okay, I believe okay. I am too. So it's true. One beer can turn into ten, and you end up learning his life story. Is that what where Darkin comes from? Uh, no comment. <laughs> it's classified. Now he's quiet. Let's shift these coffees for something else. I'll, I'll throw this question out there for you guys. I'll give you three other names, and you pick one that you would 
would like to sit down with in this scenario with with the two pints um, and two bar stools. Bill Daly, Ken Hitchcock, Phil Kessel. Which one? If you're given given three doors, which do, door do you open? I'm going Daly, just because there's more there's more meat to the bone, right? With with Daly, I mean, okay, I'm gonna break up each answer. Bill Daly, I sort of have already. Like we hosted an all star party. Uh, I guess it was six years ago in Ottawa, and the first person to arrive was Bill Daly, and he was half an hour early. That's <laughs> so amazing. So we, we weren't even done setting up. And we, and I literally was. I literally said, "Hi, Bill Daly," and, and we, we weren't ready. And he was just ready to party. Um, so that would be one. I mean, but, but to, to pause, experience a to, tiny bit of already. To, right? to, to pause on Bill though, like he, I think it's uh, most fans don't realize how how much influence he has on. Not only the NHL, but hockey in general, as as Gary Bettman's right hand man, as a guy who's always communicating with the media, communicating with teams. Yes. Like he's Bettman might be the face, the guy who 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 goes to the podium and, and you know talks about expansion and all that. But like Daly's doing a lot of the grunt work. He has his hands in like every basket you could imagine with the NHL. And he's the answers man. He's the one who will get in touch with you quickly if you have a question. And it's I think all of us media guys we really appreciate it. And sure. yeah, and. Like he's sort of the 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 hide to to Batman's Jekyll, right? Like I mean, and that's kind of just the way it has to go. Like they're both lawyers. One has to be the bad guy sometimes, and it's usually Batman. And and Daly's usually the friendlier. You know, he still speaks in, in in lawyer talk a lot, but he's more down to earth. That's for sure. Which would make him technically that would make him Jekyll if we're just talking about Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, Hyde is the crazy monster. So just saying. No, I. I'm glad you said that because I've said Jekyll and Hyde a few times on this podcast over like 75 episodes, and I don't know which one is which. I just say it as sort of these are two people. It's or... Doctor Jekyll, so he's a doctor and he's doing okay. some experiments in his lab, and then I guess he, you know, drinks them from the wrong test tube. He turns into the big monster, who's Mister Hyde. Ah, okay. Sorry, I interrupted you. Ken, Ken Hitchcock. Well, Hitchcock, I wouldn't pick because Hitchcock's such a great talker already that he's someone you can get on the phone and he'll be very insightful and share lots of good information so to me I think Phil Kessel will be the most interesting one because especially during his Toronto days um, he was very guarded and uh, I don't know he felt a lot of pressure playing here um, and I think he's obviously more relaxed playing in Pittsburgh but he's still a relatively shy guy compared to most players in the league so if you could get Phil to loosen up and maybe share stories about whether he really did eat that hot dog yeah. I want to hear it <laughs> and it, interesting kind of him coming up like it was Crosby from Canada Kessel from the States, there was that kind of debate, who's going to be the better NHLer? Um, you got to remember this guy was a phenom uh, all the way up until that draft year where all of a sudden his draft, I don't say plummeted because he was still a high pick, but everyone thought he was going to go one or two, right? Yeah, that's right. It kind of reminds me of Aaron Rodgers in the NFL where he was supposed to go number one for much of his draft year and then plummeted late because I remember Kessel was talked up that year. It was, was it 06? And he was supposed to be the first overall pick and ended up being Eric Johnson. Yeah, and then I remember... I think it was Garrett Joyce had the kind of fly-on-the-wall piece where, um, similar to, I guess, Ryan Kennedy did for the Hockey News, uh, where he was in on a lot of the uh, the interviews at the draft combine, and I think one of them was from Columbus, and it was just like, just completely just destroyed Kessel as a terrible teammate, doesn't get along well with others, uh, this guy's going to be a problem, and then all the kind of things you'd hear about uh, during his Boston and Toronto days, granted he's a, a fantastic player on the ice, but it was behind-the-scenes stuff that kept coming up and you're going oh geez this is what GMs are sort of afraid of uh, when he came up in the draft yeah Kessel's Kessel's pretty high on my list of, of guys to sit down with mostly because there's obviously more to this guy than like he literally hides from the media like like it's known in Toronto that he would just 
refused to be in the dressing room unless, you know, the PR guy said, hey, come back in. So there's clearly more there, and he seems like sort of a lovable guy. You know, I don't know if you guys saw. This is like, I don't know if it was this season or last season, but Ryan Reeves posted something on his Twitter of, of scaring the shit out of, of Kessel in their hotel. And I just, like, the way he laughs and the way he, like, reacts to things, he just seems like like such a goofball. So I think I think Kessel would be a guy that would maybe let his hair down a bit when you're having a beer and and be like, hey, listen, it, you know, in Toronto, I you know, this, this, and this happened, even though everyone thinks this, this, and this happened. No, he's a well-liked guy. You talk to, like, the Jonathan Tays or uh, Tyler Sagans, like, go to the All-Star game a couple years ago when he was uh, uh, picked last, and they didn't do that just to kind of, like, hey, let's give it to this guy. We don't like him. They did it as if, as though he was like, hey, he can take the joke. We love this guy. That's that's what kind of you do, right? Like, yeah, you, your best friends, him. you kind of razz, right? Um, you don't do that if you don't like the guy, if you don't think highly of him. You just ignore the guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. That He's got sort of this kind of cuddly, misunderstood teddy bear oh, factor. Yeah. And certain guys who've played with him for extended stretches, they really seem to bond with him. And Ryan Reeves, it's, it's pretty telling that this is Reeves' first year with the Penguins, and he already feels that attached to Kessel. Yeah, that video must have been from this year then. Um, yeah, because he wasn't in the Pittsburgh game. That's right. Since, since we're on Kessel, if if the Penguins manage to make the playoffs, is he like an M, is he an MVP candidate considering what he's put up and where he is, uh, you know, on the leaderboard of points and just kind of holding down the fort when other players, other marquee players on that team have struggled? Like he's at least got to be in the conversation, right? I think he's going to run into, in terms of heart voting, he'll run into the same problems that a lot of Tampa Bay's guys will, which is if you're on a team with many superstars, it's hard to, to pick out who is the most valuable, right? So I think it could hurt Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos in Tampa Bay where they might split votes for that reason, right? Uh, and Kessel, if you're playing on the same team as Crosby and Malkin, it's hard to see enough votes going Phil's way. But I agree, I mean, he's arguably having the best season of his career. And we all know him as a great shooter, that laser-like wrist shot, he loves to go high, short side. But I think Kessel's playmaking ability has long been underrated, and we're seeing him. He's not just scoring goals, he's piling up assists. And even though he's not a center, he does have the ability to make others around him better. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Like, I'm looking at the, the points right now, and Kessel's got a three-point lead on Crosby, and Malkin's only a couple points back of that, and he's played fewer games. So I'm with Matt. I think... Those three guys are going to split the vote, and I think just, you know, I, I know my fellow writers, um, given the chance of voting Kessel or Crosby, it's not even a question. Mm-hmm. Okay, so unless you guys have other names to throw out there in this hypothetical situation. You mean for MVP, or you mean for off the record? Sorry, off the record. Were there any names that, that also came to mind? Lou Lamorello. Ooh, that good one. An, that was another one for me, just because, like, how do you... <laughs> How do you bend all these rules? Yeah, loophole, Loboda, and just kind of his whole time in New Jersey where you couldn't wear the number 13. Like, there's... I don't know, you, you could go back to his days with the Yankees. Like, it, it's amazing. You talk about where the bodies are buried. Like, I think Lou has a cemetery <laughs> at this point that he just stashes, stashes everything. Like, he and coached it, Ron Wilson and Brian Burke as well. Like, he's he's got history in this game. Like, I think that's the winner. That's, like, I, I think that's it. That's the pick right there. I wonder, is there is there another side to Lou, or is what we see what he is? Like, like he seems like a guy who's, I mean, he's also 75 years old. Like, I don't know. Um, he's a terrific guy. I would say, talking to just, like, I always seem to be at the same luggage carousel as him and always <laughs> on the same flights, and just, like, just shooting the crap, like, with him. 
he's a tremendous guy. Like, he remembers your name. He asks about your kids. Like, he's just a really likable guy. And I think there's a reason why so many guys stayed in New Jersey over the years. Is Like, Lou does have – there's a cult – a cult of Lou. You talk to Brian Burke, you talk to Ron Wilson, like this guy is well liked and well respected. And I think a lot of the reasons why players like Robida or uh, maybe Lupo before he kind of made that ill informed kind of decision, why they're also willing to go along with what he proposes is just because there is a respect factor. And he, he is like, I know he kind of gets portrayed as almost like a, a Don Mafia, like a Mafia in the Don, like, or whatever, like a uh, Don Corleone, but. He's just a fantastic guy, also. For sure, and he, he actually he taught me a valuable lesson too. Um, maybe I don't know. This is maybe five or six years ago, and the lesson was: make sure as soon as you request an interview, make sure you're always prepared. And I had requested to talk to Lou with the Devils, thinking that I might hear back from Lou, and you know, the next day. And about one minute later, <laughs> I got <laughs> a phone minute. call from Lou, and I, I said, "Oh, Lou!" And, he, and I just kind of paused, and then there was a pause on the other end of the line. He said, "Bad time, Matt." I said, uh, no, uh, and then I had to scramble and think of questions. But it's a testament to his classiness that he also gets back to someone that fast. Right. But also, a good reminder, always be prepared. If you if you request an interview, have your questions ready, because you never know we're going to get that call. You hear that, journalism students? <laughs> Matt Malarkey Larkin has said, be prepared at all, at all costs. Okay, so those are, we talk about all-star, we talk about this off-the-records hypothetical scenario that'll probably never happen, although you guys might... Uh, hang out with Cooper this weekend. Um, let's talk about something that Matt wrote a few months ago now. Um, this is going to be nominated, I think, for National <laughs> Magazine Award, right? Yeah, this is very, you know... It's hard-hitting. It's hard-hitting It's stuff. investigative journalism <laughs> at its best. Um, for the World Junior um, edition of the Hockey News, Matt decided to write about the mascots and rank them. There's actually 29, which is ridiculous that two teams don't have mascots. Um, there's 29 mascots in the league. Most of them will be in Tampa this weekend. So I thought, let's pick apart Matt's rankings. Or let's hear from Matt on really why he thinks Bailey the Lion is the number one <laughs> mascot in this fantastic league that we follow. For sure. And, and as an aside, if I don't come back, it's because NJ Devil killed me. He's been he's been harassing me on Twitter for months because I ranked him 13. <laughs> and he's already, he, he tweeted at me yesterday saying he's going to find me so I, I think we're actually going to have... An you said he's a rip-off of the Count? He kind of looks like the Count from Sesame Street, okay? But you, you must have put him 13 because he's a devil? Was, no, was that just a coincidence? just coincidence. So, okay, so... T- t- tell us Bailey about Bailey. Line, tell yes. us about Bailey. So my key criteria were, um, does the mascot tie in nicely with the theme of the team and, and sort of the lore, the history of the team? Um, is the mascot at least somewhat intimidating and exciting to look at? And is the mascot... Does the mascot show a lot of personality? Is he, is he or she present on social media? Things like that. And to me, Bailey checks off every box. Bailey is extremely present on social media. He's got the most famous Twitter account of any mascot. And the lion, you know, like the lion is the king of the jungle. So you know we associate lions with kings. And he looks, he's not too scary because you don't want to scare the kids. Hint, hint, Hunter the Lynx in Edmonton. But he's also not too cuddly looking. Like uh, I think the, the Thunderbug in Tampa Bay, I said, looks like it's from a kid's mobile, a baby's mobile. Um, so to me, Bailey's the perfect blend of every quality you want in a mascot. Even Austin Matthews tattooed him on his shoulder, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, he took credit for that. At least. <laughs> well, there's a lot to pick apart here. So I like Nash personally from Nash. Nash is great. Like I was, I covered two rounds of them, and he does this cool thing where he climbs up this incredibly high. It might be a 50 foot ladder, and 
he actually stands on the top of the ladder, like two rungs above where you're not supposed to stand. Like there's that, it's clearly marked, do not stand on this step or above the step. And he's up there and he's holding up a sign and the place is rocking and you can see the ladder shaking back and forth. So For I, sure. And, and that's why Nash is high and he's he's probably the most acrobatic of the mascots. Yeah. Uh, I, I really did, I swear I really did put a lot of time, I studied these Well, mascots. you can tell. And But Wild Wing was the first mascot, Wild Wing in Anaheim, he was the first one to repel from the rafters. So Nash borrowed from Wild Wing's behavior. So Wild Wing is the pioneer of that acrobatic behavior. So that's why he gets the vote over Nash. Did you actually call people and get like historic? No, I didn't like, go that far. How did but you I know just, that? How did you know that Wild Wing was? Oh, oh a... I did my homework. I did some okay. research, my friend. There was really? something. If I'm gonna do this, right? if I'm gonna do this, like I have to be able to back it up. I'm gonna do it right. Yeah, your top five. So you have Bailey the Lion, LA Kings. Is it SJ Sharky? SJ or? Sharky. Yeah. He bit Don Cherry's head one time. He's number two. Nash with a G is number five. Wow, I just skipped oh, over. Sorry, sorry the, the way that this is laid out, I thought it was. Uh, so hold on, it went. It goes Bailey the Lion. Number two is Wild Wing. Number three is SJ Sharky. Number four is Iceberg, obviously, Pittsburgh. Number five is Nash, um, of obviously the Predators. And number six, which I have a bone to pick about, Harvey the Hound. This guy is. He looks disheveled. He looks like a drunk. A drunk. Dog. The only thing that is that uh, Craig McTavish once grabbed his tongue. That's the only right. thing he's got going for him. But to me, lore matters. If you make an impact, if you're iconic, everyone knows Harvey the Hound. That's and true. the That's fact fair. that he okay. was obnoxious enough to get a coach to pull out his tongue mid-game, that matters. Same with uh, uh, Iceberg in Pittsburgh. He's not scary looking, but everyone knows him. And you think, look at him, you, all I think about is fighting Jean-Claude Van Damme in the kitchen in the movie Sudden Death. And I, I rewatched that scene, by the way, when I was researching this. It's intense. Like, it's a vicious <laughs> fight between Van Damme and Iceberg. Like, Jackie Chan might have been in the in the Iceberg. Yeah, like, they yeah. go at it, man. It's violent. Like, they just go, like, Iceberg holds his own. He really gives Van Damme a tough fight. So did you, did you like, Google every single one, and you tried to get all information possible for each guy? Exactly. Wow, yes. this is, uh, I wasn't joking when I said <laughs> I investigate no the I had no idea that... Colorado's had Bernie the St. Bernard, or Minnesota had Nordy the whatever that is. And Nordy, Nordy got... Nameless species, points. is that what he said? I, Nordy, yeah, because it's kind of like the Wild Logo, and Nordy got docked points because he got in trouble for uh, a promotional thing he did with the Hawks mascot where he where he beat him up with a bat, and like parents complained it was too wow. loud. I watched that. It was pretty, like, He beat him on the ground with a bat, and again, Nordy, you're a little tone deaf there, bud. <laughs> I feel like... Some PR departments have really botched the the mascot thing. Is it was it Hunter in uh, in Edmonton where when he got like released to the public like unveiled everyone was like no 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 it was uh it was the Stockton Heat which obviously wasn't part of this rankings because it's AHL but wasn't there some big out uproar over over what happened there? He like killed people in like in a fire or something. <laughs> <laughs> there was, there like, was basically a Freddy Krueger mascot. There was a video. <laughs> there was a video that a, that accompanied his unveiling, and people were outraged by it. I can't yeah, remember exactly what. It was exactly a little, it was a little the, too real, I think. Like it was, it, it actually tied in like real events that were horrific and that people hadn't got over. That's it. hardcore. That's but, why it always bothered so, me when like that. It was like it's like San Francisco. I don't even, I don't even know what sport it was. Had a team called the Earthquakes. That's horrible. You're celebrating something I think terrible that happened. That's to your MLS, city. right? Yeah, it's MLS. Yeah. Why would you want to celebrate something bad that happened to your city? Oh, it was. I digress. Remember in the short life of Scorch, that's what it. It was the Abbotsford Heat. Wow. His name was Scorch, and there's like a dead fireman. Next yeah, to him. like even just the image that we're looking at right now, the screen grab, it's uh, it's poor taste. And like Scorch is, looks like such a nice fellow. He looks like a guy that 
you know, kids will run up to and get their autograph. And no, to stay away from Scorch. And stay away from Hunter, man. Hunter, like, you can never, ever, ever unsee the image of that terrifying face. If you have never laid eyes on Hunter, the Oilers mascot, I suggest you keep it that way because it, it'll be just burned into your brain for the rest of time. He is absolutely terrifying. 29 mascots. Hunter was only 23, though. You had, after him, you had Nordy, who we've discussed, uh, from the wild. You had Louis the Bear, St. Louis Blues, Bernie the St. Bernard with the Avs, Stormy, who looks like some kind of a pig uh, in Carolina, Victor E. Green, which is a terrible mascot for the Dallas Stars, and Al the Octopus, which is more of an inflatable thing for the Detroit Red Wings. I have to stay Explain calm, yourself. I'm going to get angry at those last two. I can't help it. Right? That's why I ranked them at the bottom. Victor E. Green, what the hell is that? It looks like a booger. That's the best you can do, Dallas. You have a team of people in a room trying to come up with an idea, and someone says, you know what, guys? Let's make an amorphous booger man. <laughs> Fans will love that. Come on. You can do better. Pick a cowboy. You're the Dallas Stars, you bastards. Okay? And next up, I mean... Wow, you're getting real worked I up. I get fired up. Were you, were you writing this and the rage was just, yes. like, seeping I, and through I, your as skin? As I said in the office, it's way more fun to write the bottom ones. Uh, and Al the Octopus... I mean, number one, it's the only mascot that's not controlled by a human being. And also, uh, I've been very vocal about the fact that I hate the octopus lore in Detroit. I don't like celebrating throwing a dead animal on the ice. So a mascot that honors that, I do not like. And that's why... So obviously these rankings are very subjective, and it's all in good fun. But that was why I decided to punish the octopus. As you should. So why doesn't Philly and the Rangers, they don't have a mascot. Like, do they need mascots, or are you cool... I've not been in this game. I think Philly's like our mascots are our fans. We're going to throw beer on you, and that's we're we're one big mascot. The Rangers are they just too serious? Did you did you call the teams and ask? I didn't call, but I, I mean I think the Rangers are just too cool. They're like yeah. we're New York. Yeah, a giant uh, giant apple or something. I don't I can't, I can't remember how you pronounce, but UP UP yeah UP UP and I mean UP would be uh, higher, but I was gonna say baseball. Let's let's be honest. He was bored from baseball, so I, I got a dock and point. Does it matter though? It matters to me. <laughs> I still can't get over this Adirondack Flames mascot. So Scorch was the last smoldering ember of the Great Fire of 1864. Jeez. <laughs> Why celebrate such a horrific thing? Man, that's horrible. That's like oh, saying he was the, the last video, drop of water from a tsunami. In the video they released, he's overpowering a firefighter. It's just wrong on so many levels. I just love I love picturing people in a boardroom saying you know what yes I approve great idea well and you know that they hired you know agencies outside of the club like this isn't a small decision yet they somehow get to this situation Carlton the Bear since we're in Toronto we gotta talk about the name obviously refers to the street that Maple Leaf Gardens used to be on but it's like it's such a bland mascot which I guess is is, is the Leafs organization in general as as sort of a, a marketing engine, they don't need to be flashy. And it's tough. It's just when you're when your your team name is the Leaf. It's like can can your mascot be a talking tree or a talking leaf? It's probably just, good call to not kind do of, that. Yeah, they painted themselves into a corner. So I guess you know he's a polar bear. He's close enough. He, that's why I put him middle in the pack, like middle of the pack. He's pretty recognizable, but he's very. I find Carlton's presence very benign. Yeah, he's just there. Yeah, he's just there. Sorry, Carlton, if you're listening. You're <laughs> I mean, NJ Devil was reading this thing, so you never know who else might be listening. 
Yeah, when you retweeted this onto your feed, uh, I think the devil's mascot is going to get up in our grill. Well, then he ranked me, NJ Devil. He tweeted he tweeted his like writer <laughs> rankings. He ranked me. That's like, amazing. Low, very low. That's oh yeah. Yeah, he's been he's been after me. Very for upset about this. Yeah, you're gonna have to do a revised version for next year. <laughs> just slot him like one. Just put him one ranking higher, just to to really grind his gears. But my last question or my last uh, inquiry about this rankings is. Did you ever find out why the Panthers have two mascots? Stanley C. Panther and Victor E. Rat? I don't know, but I don't like it. Victor E. Rat, I mean, that's great. The, we all know the rat story in Florida and Scott Mellonby one-timing the rat, killing it. Great, just stick with the but rat. Is, but isn't that sort of going against your octopus? You, you don't like the octopus? Well, that, that, was a, that was a threat. Like, the octopus is just needlessly throwing dead animals okay. on the ice. Okay. It's, whereas Mellonby was acting as an exterminator to an animal that was invading all right, space, all right, okay? All right. So I, I consider them different, um, but you know Stanley C. Panther, it's just so lame. Yeah, his name's Stanley because of the Stanley Cup. Yes, we get it. Very good, good for you. Just get rid of him. Sorry again if you're listening, Stanley. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure you worked very hard. If you're listening, Stanley, this is very personal, yeah. and Matt hates you. It's just it's, it doesn't seem necessary. Yeah, that, that I I applaud you for for going deep on this. How many hours do you think you spent on this? Uh, I don't know. Let's say ten. Is it online? Can people check this uh, out? It's not online yet. It, I think it's going to be soon. And Ooh, I, the I backlash fear, is coming. I fear the firestorm. The Twitter, the Twitter uh, universe is not going to like this. Mm-hmm. I did learn one thing so far from reader feedback, and that's about the St. Bernard, uh, Colorado's mascot. Yes. Um, because I thought it was pretty disconnected, but um, apparently it's pretty popular lore that uh, if you get caught in an avalanche, that a St. Bernard will rescue you. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I've seen them in like cartoons, whatever. They, and usually they have like a, a thermos attached to them mm-hmm. filled with brandy or something. Really? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what, where are they getting these thermoses? I don't know. <laughs> it's a cartoon. It's the same dog as uh, Beethoven, right? Beethoven. Okay, I, yeah. I would like him to, to rescue me. <laughs> I don't know what a Gila monster is. Like Vegas is one. It looks kind of cool. It's just but like a desert. I hope lizard. I don't run into this thing. Gila Mon- like I think people confuse Gila monsters with Komodo dragons, which are yeah. a lot bigger. But. I just thought it was cool that, I mean, Vegas, it would have been so easy to do a gambling-related thing. Or, or, an, or a knight. Or a knight. His yeah. name is Chance, so they yeah, sort Chance. of stepped in there a little bit. But I like that they sort of figured, you know, we're going to do lots of... Let's do a degenerate gambler <laughs> as a mascot. <laughs> <laughs> Guy with bloodshot eyes. <laughs> I lied. I have one more question. Or one more just comment. Mm-hmm. I think you should have had Spartacat of the Ottawa Senators lower. He, is, he looks like a deranged giraffe mixed with... Like a horse. I don't know what's going on with him. I know how he had Sabretooth so low also. He, he's really good. He, he's flying. He's, he, he but he just feels like a worse version of Nash, though, to me. If know. it weren't for Nash. But I just feel like Sabretooth looks in the mirror and is like, and is like man, I wish I was Nash. <laughs> and even My jersey even has the same colors. So what are they doing at the All-Star? Are they going to incorporate mascots in some sort of hockey game? Yeah, actually, I was looking into it before this because... I should take shots at them. Do the hardest shot with mascots. <laughs> Behind Matt, I think I might be the second uh, mascot correspondent. I've been inspired by Matt. I will follow in his footsteps. But apparently the mascots are going to have some kind of dodgeball competition, a beanbag toss outside of the arena. It's being played up by the NHL, and we'll see if people show up. I guess if you're a kid, that's a pretty cool thing to, to go there. There's apparently going to be 23 of the 29 there. So that's pretty good. That's been pretty good attendance. What's, ten, what's Tampa's again? Thunderbug. It's it's based on a firefly, but I mean he just looks he's just too too cute and cuddly for my taste. 
Where do you got him? Oh, you got him 21. No Jeez. intimidation factor whatsoever there. So what's the difference between him and Stinger? I guess Stinger's gnashing his teeth. Yeah, Stinger looks at least a little bit crazy. That's Columbus's mascot. That's, that's, is, is it made after Tortorella? Is that the idea? Was he Maybe. the inspiration? He's got the crazy eye, for sure. Alright, guys. <laughs> we done here? I think, I think we'll wrap up the uh, mascot talk and uh, the off-the-record talk and uh, the all-star talk. But before I let you guys know, or let you guys go, what is the one thing you're most excited for this weekend? It could be the Pirate Festival. It could be the, the all-star game itself. It could be you know seeing Lark, Larkin turn into Darkin. Matt, what's your, your one thing? I mean, on a personal level, I'm, I'm very curious about Pirate Fest, and I am curious to meet NJ Devil, which we uh, he and I have already discussed we're going to meet. And he, but he, he said he's going to hit me with a piece of cake or something, so I'm a bit nervous about that. Um, that would be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, but from a hockey standpoint, it's just, it's just nice to see players with their hair down. And it's always nicest, I find, to see first-time attendees of the All-Star Game. They're always extra gracious, and I think they really seem to enjoy themselves and, and just sort of open up, and it's a relaxed atmosphere. You don't always get to catch players in that mode. Well, I am looking forward to seeing if the Metropolitan Division can um, win a second straight uh, three on th- No. <laughs> <laughs> you have me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I bid on that. But do you remember last year they actually challenged a goal? Like there was a video review. Like how bad was that? Yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what I'm, I'm kind of curious about this goalie uh, save streak thing. I, I really hope that the NHL kind of, I don't want to say figures it out, but I want them to have something um, that is sort of exciting. Because I remember as a kid, like, like you mentioned, Ally Frady, the hardest shot. Um, Ray Bork with the accuracy. There were some cool events I, I remember looking forward to. So if they could figure it out and get some sort of buzz around the competitions, I think that would be kind of cool. All right, you can uh, check out Mike and I's uh, content at torontosun.com and at Mattis John or Michael underscore Dracos. And then Matt, I will let you take uh, the reins here to to plug your own stuff on Twitter you are THN Matt Larkin but what else you know I know you have a podcast yeah I may, may as well plug the hockey news podcast that's what it's called you can find it iTunes SoundCloud wherever you want to go Stitcher we're on there perfect thanks guys